Good morning, Boker Tov. This Shabbos we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisavo. Parshas Kisavo. If you're following in the Stone Chumash, page 1068, as is our normal practice, we'll give a brief review, brief overview of the Parsha, and then we will delve into some of the Psukim specifically with the Mepharshim, with the commentators of the Mikros Gedolos. Parsha begins, of course, with the obligation of the Bikurim, of the first fruit. A farmer, when... Um, when his first fruit ripen, he's obligated to take those first fruit, to bring them to the Beis HaMikdash, to present them to the Kohen in an incredible ritual that contains within it some unusual things, including a, uh, a confession, a very unusual confession. He brings his first fruit to the Beis HaMikdash and he puts them in a basket and they wave them. It's an entire huge ceremony over the first fruit. One of my teachers, Rabbi J.J. Schachter, always pointed out, it's very unusual, you know, here you have the first fruit, a little fig, a little nothing. And this tremendous pomp and circumstance. If you read the Rambam Helchus Bikurim and you see a description, the Mishnais of Bikurim, what it was like, the farmer came and the processional and the music and the, a tremendous pomp and circumstance. And all he brought is a little fig, one little fig in a basket. Whereas Trumos and Maestros, you separate a significant portion. Maestros, 10% of your produce, and there's nothing. Why? So he always explained very, very beautifully that. When it comes to the rest of your produce, you reap all of your harvest, and then you take a percentage and you give it away to the Kohen, to the Levi, to the poor person, and so on. But you already have, you know exactly what you have left. Bikurim, you bring your first fruit, you don't know that there's going to be a second or third. And yet you're prepared to dedicate it and give it to God. You bring it to the base of Mikdash, understanding that it's not yours. Understanding that success in actually being able to uh, procure something from the ground depends and relies almost exclusively on the Almighty and His bestowing His graciousness and His kindness. So it's a tremendous act of Amuna to reap your whole harvest, to bring it all in and then take 10% and give it away. It's impressive, but you get to keep the other 90%. But to take 100% of your fruit, first fruit of what you have and give it away, that's really incredible. So the farmer brings it in. There's a lot of questions. I believe we studied this part last year. Um, Farmer says, I said today already, I came to your land. <clears throat> what do you mean he got it to you? When did the farmer say anything? Mepharshim will deal with that. And the farmer offers what we call the Mikra Bikurim, <clears throat> or the Mishnah is referred to as Vidui Bikurim. The Mishnah is referred to as the confession of the Bikurim. Now, how do we normally translate confession? What role does confession normally play for us? What do you usually say when you, when you offer a confession? Usually you say, what? Right, and usually confession is, here's what I did wrong. I regret doing it, I'm not going to do it again. I acknowledge, I confront what I did wrong. What is the confession of the farmer? Chapter 26, verse 14. I did nothing wrong. I didn't eat of it. I didn't consume it in a state of contamination. I didn't give it for the needs of the dead. I've listened to God's voice. I acted... I did everything. I did everything right. And all of them unfortunately are bothered. What kind of confession do you offer? I did everything right. You come to your spouse, you come to your friend, you come to your rabbi, you come to your priest, and you say, that was a joke, you come and you say, I have a confession to make, I've done everything correct. I have a confession to offer, I've done nothing wrong. That's a confession. So, again, not for today. So, it continues the Parsha. 
the section we're going to get into, HaKadosh Baruch reminds them, it's as if today I gave you the mitzvahs, there is a um, reciprocal covenant, God pledges allegiance to His people, we as children pledge allegiance to the Almighty, and then we have the new commitment, we're on the top of page 1072, honor the commandment that I'm giving you today, and this is the obligation to write all the commandments on the stones, we'll get to this a little bit today also. What exactly did they write on these stones that were de- uh, meant to be placed in the Yarden, in the Jordan River? What was written on them? We'll, uh, we'll get to this as well. Then we have the brachas and klalas and hargrizim and Eval, where the people stand on uh, two mountains that divided six tribes and six tribes. The Levim Kanam stand in the middle and they recite the blessings and the curses. The people answer, Amen. They uh, respond, Amen, that they uh, validate, they acknowledge, they agree that these lives of blessing and curses, that there is accountability, there are consequences to the decision we make. Then the Torah continues, Im If we listen to God, and then we have the blessings that we receive, and then of course the harsh rebuke. This is the second time we have the tochacha, the second parsha of, of uh, tochacha. The um, first tochacha corresponds with the destruction of the first base of Mekdash, the Ramban writes. Second tochacha corresponds with the destruction of the second base of Mekdash, and the Ramban promises us, the Ramban makes a reference, that when we will recover sovereignty of Israel a third time, it will not be lost. It will not be lost. So reassuring Ramban, particularly given the events of the day, the threat of Iran, and the lack of sense of security and confidence that we have that the world will be with us, tragically, this is not a politics class, I will not get into that, but this Ramban is hopefully comforting and reassuring that when we will have sovereignty a third time, please God, it will never be removed. The Ramban is not the only position on this, so we can't rest on our laurels of the Ramban. But this is the, the harsh tochacha, the rebuke, Again, which it seeks to communicate to us the idea that there are consequences. There are consequences to our actions. Life is not randomness. You can't just do what you want. It's not carpe diem. But what we do has consequences. It's a very interesting language. First, it promises us that... Um, the Torah promises us in the beginning of the, of the rebuke that... Where is this language? First we have it with the blessings. All of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. And we have, if not, the curses will come upon you. What does Vihisigucha mean? Vihisigucha is like the languages of the Hasagas of the Raivet and the Rambam. What does it mean when you say in Yeshiva, do you have a Hasaga? Hasaga means an understanding, a grasp, an acceptance. So once a beautiful word from Rav Zalman Sarotskin, Vihisigucha means that I heard from my brother-in-law's father, my brother's father-in-law, Rabbi Yaakov Lerner, a great neck. He said, what does it mean, v'hisigucha? There's two components to a bracha. There's actually receiving the bracha, and then many people who have lives that are filled with blessing and abundance, but they're so bitter and disgruntled and resentful and kafoy tov, ungrateful. V'hisigucha means, not only is your life filled with blessing, v'hisigucha, you'll grasp it. You'll understand it, you accept it, you acknowledge it, you see it. That's the real bracha. To have your life full with bracha, but not even see it, where's the bracha? The real bracha is to not only have bracha, v'hisigucha, to chap it, to see it, to understand it, to accept it, to embrace it, to revel in it, to appreciate it, v'hisigucha, that's the real real bracha. So you have the, uh, and there's so many other things to say, obviously, but it's not our, our time for today. And then the parsha ends with Moshe's charge to the people, to the Jewish people, 
You saw everything God did to, to Mitzrayim and to Paro. You saw the miracles. You saw with your own eyes. You heard with your own ears. You walked 40 years in the desert. Now it's time to show your allegiance when you come in to honor the bris, to honor the covenant that you have with the Almighty. It's as if time is, is we're towards the end of Moshe's soliloquy. He's fearing, feeling the passage of time. He's feeling the pressure that he desperately wants his children to embrace the message to continue in the way. Like a parent who will no longer be there to give direction to his children. He's trying to empower them to uh, continue in the way that he has set forth for them. Okay, so what I... about his own children? I just want to know. Does it say anything about them? His own children do not emerge to be leaders. Um, why that is, there is a lot of literature about that. But the Torah doesn't spend a lot of time on Moshe's children. It's a big, it's a big uh, discussion. Moshe was absentee because of his responsibilities. You see the impact on children of that. It's an incredible word of the Chassam Sofer about Aaron, where Aaron also hesitated, didn't want to take a leadership role because he saw what happened to his nephews. And Kosh Baruch Hu promised him that you can have both an allegiance to Torah and uh, an insight of the Chassam Sofer, but also not for now. Okay, the verses I want to examine closer with you together this fine morning is Perich Avav, chapter 26, Verse Zion, verse 16. Why do we start here? Again, this is what we were up to last year. This is where we left off last year. We started from the beginning of the Parsha. And this is a natural break. As I remind you every week, our division of the themes of the Parsha do not come from the chapters. Those are of Christian origin, so that when they could have their disputations with us, they could quote chapter and verse as they created a platform to persecute us. We don't reference those chapters. Ours are the stumos and psuchos. When you see a break, literally, and you look in the stone chumash, it captures it. Page 1070, you see there's a divide between the word udvash, there's a space, and then we begin, you see that means that it's a divide. Sometimes it's a small pause, so you have it starting on the same line. And if you look at the next paragraph, it ends, and then you have a break until the next paragraph begins, Moshe. that's a more significant break. But in either case, that is what re- references our understanding of where there are breaks. So says the, to- the Torah. Says the Torah, today, this day, Hashem Elokecha, your God, Mitzavcha, commands you to perform these chukim and these mishpatim. What are chukim and what are mishpatim? Chukim are ordinances, decrees, a chok, something which seems to transcend the rational, it's above the comprehensible. And the Mishpatim, which are the laws, civil law, tort law, criminal law. God placed all this before you, Vishamarta. Guard it, Vyasisa, and do it, perform it. with all your heart, and with all your soul. So, what is this referring to? Look at Rashi. Hayom Hazet, today. What did Moshe mean to them today? Moshe, remember, this is the last day of his life. He's reciting this monologue, this soliloquy. They're on the cusp of entering the land of crossing the Jordan. Moshe is about to depart from them. He's about to walk alone onto a mountain and die. He's giving them his last mandate. And he says, Hayom Hazet, today. What does he mean? That very day, specifically? He says, Rashi, no, every day. Every day. If you look, there's a word that repeats itself over and over and over in Moshe's soliloquy. 
Sefer Dvarim, you have the word Hayom over and over and over. There's tremendous significance to that word Hayom. Today, today, in a certain sense, is what Judaism is all about. I've spoken in the past at length about this idea. The word Hayom, Rein Asati Hayom Lefnechem, Bracha Uklala. Today I place before you Bracha Uklala. Some enjoin us to read it. Rein Asati Lefnechem Hayom. Behold, I've placed before you the idea of Hayom. When you focus on Hayom, what does Hayom mean? Mortality. How vulnerable, how fragile we are. All I have is today, all I know is right now. The past is behind me. The future has not yet come. All I have, the only dimension I live in is the present. And when I recognize that all I have is the present, how fleeting and temporal, how vulnerable and mortal I am, it can lead to two opposite conclusions. On the one hand, I might say, Eat and drink and be merry, because tomorrow you may die. If you really conclude that I could get hit by a truck today, and what is life all about? And who knows if there'll be a tomorrow? And Iran is going to point a nuclear bomb, so what's the point of it all? It might lead me to conclude a life of carpe diem, seize the day, meaning, enjoy. A life of frivolity, a life of the pursuit of hedonism, a life of selfishness and egotistical pursuit, or, or the alternative is, Hayom, if I recognize that I'm mortal, and I recognize that all I have is right now, then it could, it could encourage me to say, Hayom Katsar Vamlacha Meruba. The day is short, there's a lot of work, I've got to make the most of every single second. So Moshe over and over and over again reminds them, Hayom, 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 is an incredible Gemara in Sanhedrin, but, but uh, one of the great rabbis who wanted to know when, when Mashiach is coming, so they tell him, go to the Shuk, and you'll see a man dressed in bandages, you'll see many people with injuries, with leprosy, but the one who puts on his bandages one by one, that's Elio Navi. go ask him when Mashiach is coming. So he goes and he finds him and he sees the individuals putting them on one by one. And he says, when is Mashiach going to come already? And he says, Hayom. So the rabbi goes back and he's all excited. Goosebumps. Hayom, Mashiach's coming today. Incredible. He tweets it and he Facebooks it and he does a phone tree and an email. And he tells the world, Mashiach is coming today. And you know what happened? The day passes. Mashiach doesn't come. So he's devastated, he's disappointed, he goes back, he said, how could you have lied to me? You told me Hayom. So what does Eliyahu Navi tell him? Hayom in Tishma'u. Today, if you listen. So the classic understanding of the Gemara is, today, if you listen, means you have to merit it today. If you don't merit it today, try again tomorrow. But I saw an incredible interpretation. It means Hayom, if you live in the Hayom. If you embrace the moment, if you embrace the concept, the value of Hayom of today, then Mashiach will come. That's what it means he took care of his bandages one by one. Everyone else does things, everything together, living for the future, living in the past. But to be in the present, if you can embrace the Hayom, that's when it comes. So it says Rashi, what does it mean Hayom? Azeh? Moshe doesn't mean to literally today. Moshe means, Every day they should be new. Every day you wake up, it's new. Every day you wake up, it's your anniversary, you fall in love again. Every day you wake up, it's your birthday, you're given, you're born again. Every day you wake up, you embrace Torah. It's not archaic, it's not arcane, it's not outdated, it's not irrelevant. It's something which is fresh. It's something which is new. It's something which is relevant. 
ושמעת ועשיסה עושם באסקו מברכתו הבא אז ביקורם היום תשנה לשון הבא באסקו גוזן גיבס הברכה אם אתה עושה את המקרא ביקורם הבאס ביקורם אם אתה בריא את הראשון היום אז אתה עושה את המקרא Then you'll merit another year. Says the Sforna, what does Hayom Hazem mean? Rabbi Vavad, Yisforna, Sh'ata Nichnas Imo Lebris. Today you enter with God the Bris. In the Indian, Abris Hu, Sh'akel Yisbarach, Metzavcha, L'asos, Zachukim, HaMeshbatum, L'tov Lach, V'yata Mekabal, Alach, Alashamram. This is a covenant. So Rashi understands what does Hayom mean, not literally today. It means every day. Live life every day with a sense of, today is the day. Every life you wake up, every morning you wake up and you say, today is the day. Today is the day. Oh, and then yesterday it didn't turn out to be the day. Okay, so this morning you woke up. Today is the day. And if today is not the day, then you wake up tomorrow morning. Today is the day. Today is the day I'm going to start going to the gym. Today is the day I'm going to start going to the Daf Yomi. Today is the day I'm going to start being careful what I eat. Today is the day I'm going to stop talking Lashonara. Today is the day I'm going to be patient and kind and honest. Today is the day I'm going to concentrate on my davening. Today, Kvachol Yom, fresh and new and relevant and a new start. That's Rashi. Svarno says, no, it means literally today. Today the Jewish people, Moshe is telling him, you're about to enter the land. And you are entering a covenant with God. What's the covenant? God commands you in Chukim and Mishpatim. And you accept L'Sham Ram. You accept to accept Him. B'chol Levaucha said the Pasuk with all your heart. Says the Svarno Shatakir B'lishum Safek Sheroi Lasos Ritzono. Recognize with no doubt that it is proper to act according to His will. B'chol Levaucha means direct your entire heart. Recognize without a doubt. Where is it that you can feel without a doubt? In your head? It's a brilliant Svarno. See, in your head, that's where doubt creeps in. If you try to intellectualize and rationalize God, if you try to weigh all the pieces of evidence of God's existence, I would argue, it has been argued by many greater than I before, there is overwhelming evidence that God exists. There's overwhelming evidence that God interacts with His world. But... Despite how overwhelming the evidence is, by definition, it's not provable, it's evidence. There's no absolute proof, which means there's lingering doubt. There is at least a small leap of faith necessary. So when you try to rationalize and intellectualize and you try to conclude God exists exclusively in your head, you will always have room to doubt. But if you allow your heart to feel God's presence, if you allow your heart to experience God, in a beautiful sunset, the miracle of the birth of a child, or something that seems to be a coincidence, you hear God speaking to you, you don't only speak to God, then, then you'll recognize without a doubt that you should do according to His will. See, there's, 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 there are truths that cannot be articulated. There are truths that cannot be put into words. There are truths that, truths that cannot be condensed to a scientific formula but you feel them in the chambers of your heart, in the soul. And that's what the Tzvarna says, Bechol Levavcha. When is it Ayom Hazeh? When is it today that you'll see God? Bechol Levavcha, if you'll open up your heart. Bechol Nafshecha said the Pasuk. What is Bechol Nafshecha? Shelo Yaniyoscha koach mis'ava biyoscha makir malas mishitziva vasoelas mitzvosov. Ubezeh. That Bechol Nafshecha means that where you open up your heart, you have to be willing to open up your soul as well. It says the Rachayim Hakadosh. What does Hayom Azen mean? So the Sforno talks about Taki. Yes, it literally means today. Rashi says it doesn't mean today. It means tomorrow, the day after, and every day it should be new. Ask the Rachayim. What do you mean today? Wasn't it yesterday? Didn't God already give the Torah at Arsinai? 
ורש"י פרש בחיום יהיה בנחק חדשם ונראה שכוונה סקוסוב היא על זה הדרך ושכל התורה ציווה עושה בהר סיני, השם בהר סיני, בין דברים שיש במקום מעשה באוסר זמן, בין דברים שאינם במקום מעשה אלא לאחר זמן. כאוסר מאמור בפרשה זוס, ביקור ממייסר שאינם נוהגים אלא בארץ. וציווה השם עושה מהגם שלא יהיה זמן מטעם כדי ללמוד אסם, ולקבל שכר על קבל אסם. says the אור החיים הקדוש אבו חיים אבן עטר, what does it mean היום הזה today? ביקורם, were they able to fulfill ביקורם yet? No, they weren't in the land. Bikurim is a mitzvah to leave Baaretz. It's a mitzvah that depends on the land. They were not yet in the land. Says the Orachai, what does it mean a Yom Hazeh? Moshe is telling them that the Torah is so great it anticipates mitzvahs you are not yet able to fulfill. That even though you can't do it until you get in the land, Hayom, nevertheless I'm giving you a mitzvah that's not relevant till tomorrow, but I'm giving it to you today. Biyom Aleha Moshe, until today you were only commanded to learn their laws. But today I'm commanding it to you to do because today you're entering the land. He doesn't mean literally today because they weren't going into the land until the next day. But he means get ready. Until now you've been learning it in theory, conceptually. But get ready, you're about to enter the land. Says the next passage, Yedzayin, continuing, Yes, Hashem, Amarta, Yom, Liyos Lachal Elokim, V'lalachet Bidrachav, L'shmoa Chukav Mitzvotav, Mishvatav, V'lishmoa Bekolo. Says the passage, 17, You have distinguished Hashem. Es Hashem, Hamarta, Hayom. It's a very unusual phrase. God, Hamarta, You have said, Hayom, today, Liyos Lachal Elokim, You have You've stated, you've accepted, you've declared God to be your God. To follow His ways, and again to safeguard, to keep His chukim mitzvosov mishbatov and to hear and to heed His voice. What does it mean, Ha'amarta? The next passage you have it again, Yudches. What is Yudches? And Hashem has distinguished you today. So first, Es Hashem Ha'amarta, you spoke about you distinguished God and then and then Hashem distinguished Hashem spoke about you today you have this reciprocal distinction a covenant a, a monogamous relationship you said God is your is your steady and God said you're his date and it's exclusive it's an exclusive arrangement there's no one else why what? Because of the continuation of Yudzayin. You distinguish God, and God distinguished you. It's reciprocal. It's two ways. It's two ways. There's a beautiful Balaturim. The Balaturim of Yaakov ben Asher says, In this Pasuk, is Hashem HaMarta Hayom, Pasuk Yudzayin, how did we distinguish God? Says the Balaturim, our commitment to Torah Shabbat Peh. Our commitment to the oral Torah, the oral tradition, which in itself is the development of halacha, through that we have distinguished, we have entered a covenant with God. Where do you see that in this Pasuk? Look at the Balaturim. Kan Remez Vav Sadarim. In this Pasuk is a hint, is an allusion to the six orders of Mishnah. Where do you see that? Lios Lokim. We distinguished God to be for us a God. Zeseder Zorim. Zorim Shemaschel Bekrishma. Liyos L'chalokim, Zeroim begins with the Mesechus Brachos. We are learning Mesechus Brachos right now in the Daf HaYemi. The first three Prakim of Brachos deal with Shema. 
So you see, Shema Yisrael is Lios Lachalokim to accept the yoke of heaven. So that phrase Lios Lachalokim is a reference to Zroim. Furthermore, you have the separation of the tides, which the farmer displays great amuna, great faith, in that he gives a portion of his crop away. So that's the first order. The pastor continued to walk in his way. Pasuk in Yeshaya says that um, we have to follow in his ways. This moed, when you observe Shabbos, you are following in God's footsteps. Right? God created six days and then rested. We create six days and rest. Moed is the holidays, but Mesechus, Shabbos um, in particular. So, Lalachas Bidrachav is Moed. Lushmor Chukav, to keep his ways. I say to Nashim, Shemadaber Ba'arayos. What is Seder Nashim about? In particular, Arayos. You have the laws of Arayos, the forbidden relationships. Seder Nashim. You have, you have Gittin, Kedushin, Ksubus, Yevamos, Sota, and so on. Then, Mitzvosav, we also pledge to observe God's Mitzvos. Says the Balaturim. Zeseder Kodshim. Shemadaber Bekarbonos, Tichsubu, Eilaha Mitzvos. Karbonos are called Mitzvos. So you have. The uh, the uh, continuation of the pasuk or mitzvah sav is a reference to seder kachim mishpatav is seder nizikin mishpatav means his ordinances criminal tort civil law that is nizikin l'shmo bekolot here is voice says seder taros tichzibu maros hashem maros hashem maros taros so you have God's sayings which is taros. So beautiful Balaturim, in this Pasuk you have a reference to the six orders of the Mishnah. How do we show our pledge, our covenant, our commitment to keep uh, God's rules? Through the study and observance of the six orders of the Mishnah. That's the Balaturim. Says the Rashbam Rab Shmuel Ben Meir, as Hashem Lamarta Yom, Atais Kakta Shamar Kadish Borhu and its Ratzalios Lachalokim, Kiadover Toloi Bo, Leasosu Elokecha, Vishiacha, Mitoksha Kibalsa Mitzosov, Vigamu Amircha, Hifilcha Shamarta and its Ratziza Shidelam, Vishasanis Magrus at Shinizratzalios Lam. An incredible Rashbam, an incredible Rashbam, Perechavav Pasogidzain, says the Rashbam the following. What does this Pasog really mean? Es Hashem HaMarta Hayom. The Hashem HaMircha Hayom Liyoslam Sugula. This reciprocal relationship. You appoint and accept and distinguish and designate God, and God reciprocates, He does the same to you. Says the Rashbam, you know what's remarkable about that Pasuk? That the reciprocal relationship relies and depends on whom? On us. What do you mean? God's not our God, and we're not His people without our choosing Him? God's not the omnipotent, infinite God who determines our destiny and all of our reality. It relies on us. We can't listen to the Rashbam. The matter relies on us. Gemara Rosh Hashanah says, this is very timely. What do we say on Rosh Hashanah? We don't have the normal seven brachos we recite on Shabbos or a holiday. The first three of Shevach, the last three of thanks. Usually on Shabbos and Yantav we have how many brachos in the middle? One. Mekadosh HaShabbos, Mekadosh Yisrael V'Azmanim, one bracha. Adding to a total of seven, seven represents wholeness, completion. Shabbos and Yantav we feel whole, we feel complete, we have no needs, we have no desires, we have no supplications, we have no requests. 
normally on Shabbos and Yatav. Comes Rosh Hashanah, how many brachos? Nine. We have nine. What are the extra two? We have we have Machios, Shofros, and Zechronos. So I understand I say Zechronos because it's the day that HaKadosh Baruch recalls all of my actions. Zocher Kol HaNishkachos. I once quoted on Rosh Hashanah, an incredible vort. By which Rebbe? I don't remember. What do you mean, what do you mean Zocher Kol HaNishkachos? He only remembers all that's forgotten? God's got an impeccable memory. It's perfect. He's got a, a perfect memory. So what do you mean, Zohar Kol I forgot which Rebbe was who says, God remembers what we choose to forget. We live with cognitive dissonance. We live choosing, it's con- we live choosing to forget the inconvenient memories. God specifically remembers what we choose to forget. Zohar Kol So Zichronos, I understand. Shofros, I understand. Malchios, doesn't that happen automatically? Says the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, Imru lefanai Malchios, Kedesha tamlichuni aleichem. Kodesh Baruch Hu turns to the Jewish people, turns to us and says, Recite before me Malchios, recite before me, accept me upon you, so I can be your king. That means to say that God controls the entire universe. He's in charge of everything, but there is one thing He cannot do. It's an amazing image. There's one thing that God Himself cannot do. And that is, He cannot be the king without our appointing Him. You see, Ein Melech Am, there is no king without a nation. He can be a Moshel. You know what a Moshel is? A Moshel is a ruler. is a dictator. You could be a dictator without the will of the people. We've got plenty of them around the world. A despot, a dictator, cruel, harsh. You could be a dictator without the acceptance of the people. That the vote of the people, the will of the people. But to be a melech ain't melech below am. So God says, I can be a Moshe, I can dictate to the world. But to be a king, I need you to accept to appoint. It's an amazing image. That means to say that we live in a world and we lack control of everything. Yesterday's Daf Yomi. Yesterday's Daf Yomi, Brachos, Lamed Gimel. It says... Everything is in the hand of heavens except for Yerushalayim. What does it mean everything is in the hand of heavens? I think that I'm such an independent, subjective, unique individual. I control my destiny. Don't you think the intellect, the IQ I was born with, the level of athleticism, my height, my look, my metabolism, my genetics, my creativity, my artistic ability... The family I was born into, the city I was born into, the socioeconomic status I was born into. Don't you think that all contributes greatly to shaping who I am? So much of who I am is predetermined by those facts that I have no control over. The only thing I have control over, the only thing, is what I do with them. Is Yerushalayim. I can't choose to be seven feet. I can't choose to be more handsome or prettier or less handsome or less prettier have a higher IQ but what I do with them whether I have Yerushalayim whether they are informed and inspired and guided by a sense of recognizing that there is a God and that I, my life is to be of service to Him that's the only thing in the end of the day I control it's an amazing image in a life and in a world where we feel helpless and hopeless 
where we see people being diagnosed with illnesses. And we feel, I don't know about you, it haunts me the feeling of not if, but when someone close to me will be diagnosed with that word. Yenamachla, with cancer. God forbid. Right? We live in a world where we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's so much beyond our control. Financially, it's beyond our control. Health-wise, it's beyond our control. The world, Iran, Israel is beyond our control. So much seems out of our control. And in a life and in a world where there's so much beyond our control, the most important thing is exclusively and only in our control and our domain. And that is Yerushalayim. It's what we do with it. So God sits there. This image is unbelievable. It's extraordinary. God who controls everything, who's omnipotent and infinite, sits there feeling absolutely impotent as to our accepting Him upon us. That's exclusively our domain. Says the Rashbam, that's this Pasuk. Es Hashem hayom. You need to appoint and distinguish and say, God, you're my God. It's only up to us to accept God. We, right, this language of the, of the Rashbam reminds me of the Gemara. Of Rabbi Lazar ben Durdaya, Gemara Navarizara. Ki adavar talay bo. Rabbi Lazar ben Durdaya walks around. Remember the story in Navarizara? It says there was not a zona, there's not a harlot in the world that he's not visited, oh, yeah. whose services he's not employed. And he's finally hears about this beautiful woman, and he makes a tremendous effort to cross the rivers and climb the mountains to be able to employ her services. And he does, and at the moment of intimacy, he's with her. She expels air. She says, the same way I've expelled air, a breath from me, you have expelled your breath, and God will never, you can never turn back. And he, you know, it's a pretty harsh source of Musr. You know you've sunk to a pretty low level if you're getting Musr from a prostitute. So, what is the significance? What does it mean? She says, I expelled air. The air, what do I mean? God breathed his soul into ours. She says, the same way I've expelled air, you expelled your breath, the breath of life, God's breath. You have no soul. Look at you. Look what your life has become. He hears the Musr. And the Gemara continues. He goes to the stars and the constellations and he says, Please, pray for me. And they say, Sorry. And he turns to the mountains and the rivers. Please pray for me. And he turns to... And the Gemara goes on and on. He turns to everything around them. Please pray for me. And they all say, Sorry. You're on your own. And he sits in the down and he puts his head between his knees like the fetal position, like a baby returning to the womb. And he cries and he says... The matter rests with me alone. I and I alone can change my destiny. And at that moment, he dies. And a Baskal, a heavenly voice, goes out and says, Rebbe Elazar ben Durdaya is welcome to the world to come. He gets smicha in a moment. A man who spent his entire life employing every prostitute on earth receives smicha in a moment and the Gemara says you see from here that some earn the world to come in a moment yeah so this Rashbam certain things there's so much beyond our control but the most important thing in life is only and exclusively within our control so it's an amazing image of Akash Baruch Hu needing us in order to be Mam Lechem. That's our exercise on Rosh Hashanah. That's what we will be doing. I think it's two weeks from today, right? Yikes. Yes. Scary. That's what, uh, that's what uh, we will be doing two weeks from today. 
Rosh Hashanah is an exercise in being Mamlech Hashem. The whole goal of the day is to coronate God. Because without our coronating Him, He is not God. Okay, that's much more than I wanted to spend on this. Continues. I wanted to see the Ramban, but we don't have time. Let's keep going. What does Lalechaz Bidrachav mean? To walk in His ways. What does it mean, Lalechaz Bidrachav? Says the Orachayim HaKadosh, Perish Agam Shalot Ziva Hashem Lalechaz Bahem, Av Biken Kishiyakiru, Bahen Shem, Darche Hashem, Kolashahu Osa Yasu Kim Bene Israel. Even though God did not command you, even the things God did not explicitly command us, we should nevertheless identify that if He does it, we should do it. What are examples? Visiting the sick. Kvuras Mason, burying the dead. If you identify and see that God has done it, then you too should do it. We too should follow in His footsteps. And the, what does it mean? Chukim, as we said, are mitzvahs that have no reason. The Shema Bekolot here is voice is Zet Talmud Torah. The Diktuk Lomar Bekolo Al Derech Omram. Minayin L'Shomeh Mepikatan K'Shomeh Mepiagvur Dechsev M'Shomeh T'Shomeh Bekol Hashem Lokechem. So says the Rachaim. What does it mean? Lalachas Bedrachav. It means even things that are not clearly an expressed mitzvah in the Torah, but if you identify that God does it. Then emulate it, imitate it, it's worth doing. Bury the, si- bury the dead, visit the sick, and so on. What does it mean to observe chukim? As we said, mitzvahs that the reason is not clear. Mitzvahs of our ritual mitzvahs, mishpatav, our civil mit- law. And the Shema Bekolo, what does it mean we should listen to God's voice? Says Dorachayim, what is the Shema Bekolo? Talmud Torah. You know, the Rav used to say, our davening is us talking to God. Learning Torah is God talking to us. Davening is our talking to God. Learning Torah is God talking to us. So people that don't learn, how do you expect to be in a relationship where all you do is talk to the other person? And people that don't daven, how do you expect to be in a relationship where you're silenced, where you never have a, you never have a voice? To be in a healthy relationship needs to be mutual communication. You need to be learning, listening to God's voice, and you need to be davening, God listening to your voice. That's the Yorachayim. Says the Ramban, what is Velalachas Bidrachav? Shetasu Atova Yashar, Vitigmalu Chesed Ish Es Reyehu. Says the Ramban, similar to, uh, we saw the Ramban twice elsewhere in Sefer Dvarim. We have a Pasuk says, Vasisa Atova Yashar, Ayashar Vatov. One should do that which is good and that which is just. And the Ramban's opinion in both places earlier was, what does it mean to do that which is good and that which is just? It means to do that which is not stipulated in the Torah. The Torah cannot possibly come up with the gazillions of examples of circumstances we encounter in life. Torah only gives us the framework. What should we do when we encounter a situation where the Torah didn't clearly say what to do? It doesn't appear in the first four orders of Shulchan Aruch. What do we do? So we say to ourselves, what would God want from me? What's the right thing to do? So similarly here, to follow in His way means to always say to ourselves in life, what is the tov Yashar? What's the right thing to do? What's the just thing to do? Even when you can't see it clearly described by the law, one can nevertheless always say to themselves, what's the right thing? So we accept God upon us, and then And God designates us to be an Am Segula. God says, you are my Am, and I'm Segula, a treasured people, as He spoke to you. 
Lishmor Kol Mitzvosav to observe all of his mitzvos. What does it mean to be an Am Segula? What does it mean to be an Am Segula? So it's interesting. This is the only time in the Torah we see the idea, the word, Segula. When we use the word Segula today, what are we talking about, about being a Segula? Segula today is a good luck charm. Do this, it's a Segula. Wear a red bendel. Chas v'shalom, it's a Segula. Do all these things, it's a Segula. Segulas are superstitions, we don't believe in that. The only time the Torah says Segula is to be an Am Segula. And what does it mean to be an Am Segula? Continues the Pasuk. L'shmor kol mitzvosav. To keep his mitzvos. You know what it means to be an Am Segula? It means to be a nation that keeps his mitzvos, not a nation that believes in superstition. Wears red bendels and says poo 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 and does all these other weird things. That's pure superstition. God is not going to protect you because you wear a red string. That's Darche Amori, says the Tosefta. You know when God sees us as a treasured nation? When God loves us like a treasure? When we are L'shmol Kol Mitzvosav. It never ceases to bother me and to amaze me. The many people who embrace so-called skulas who trample all over and neglect mitzvos. Yes. How often do you see people come into shul late and leave early and talk all davening, but they say, because they heard that's a school for Parnassah. That's a school for Parnassah. Davening B'Kavana is a school for Parnassah. Not talking and davening is a school for Parnassah. You see people wearing a red bendel while they talk Lashon Hara and while they're not careful to dress modestly, and while they're dishonest in business, and while they're cheating on income taxes and paying in cash so they could get out of taxes, but they're wearing the red bendel, they got the red string around their wrist. That's not an amsegula. Leo Slola amsegula, our pledge, our pledge to be a treasured nation for God is only v'lishmor kol mitzvosav. When are we that treasured nation? When we keep his mitzvos. You know what school is? Wearing tzitzis, lighting Shabbos candles, having a mezuzah on your doorpost. That's the school. Yes. Kamiyos is a separate issue. Kamiyos is a separate issue. There was a whole discussion within Allah also about whether a Kamiyos place. Can you walk out with it on Shabbos? Is it considered carrying? There's a discussion of Kamiyos in Allah also. It's not so posh. It's not so simple. But even a Kamiyos is designed to bring you closer to Hashem. So something that you do that brings you closer to Hashem, fantastic. If you're going to have Shlisa Chala, if you're going to put a key in your Chala, Shabbos after Pesach, because it reminds you that the man fell, the Chala, Lecha Mishnah, is symbolic of the man that fell from heaven. And just like the nourishment the Jewish people in the desert fell from heaven, my Parnassah comes from heaven. So when I see that key in the Chala, I'm thinking about Hashem, and my dedication to Hashem, and my Munet Hashem, and my commitment to do mitzvahs. Okay, so putting a key in the Chala is Nishkeferloch. Is it a mitzvah? No, it's not Natariq mitzvahs. But it's Nishkeferloch. But how many people put a key in the Chala thinking, oh my God, this is going to be a terrible year for me, I forgot to put a key in the Chala. It's going to be a great year for me, I put a key in the Chala. But they don't think of Hashem, they don't think of Amuna. They think putting a key in the Chala has some superstitious quality to it. That's, that's, that's a violation of superstition. Lo Sanachashu. Rav Shechter gave a shir on this here. You could listen on our website. It's Lo Sanachashu, it's superstition. Rav Shechter said, you have a question, you write it on a piece of paper and stick it in the igros of some Rebbe. It's Lo Sanachashu. 
You have to believe exclusively in Hashem. You dive into Hashem. You keep His mitzvos. The messages come from Hashem. Not superstition. We were supposed to leave that behind when we left Mitzrayim. We were supposed to, that was the Egyptian way. And here we carry it with us. The only time in the Torah we see Am Segula, what does it mean to be an Am Segula? It means to be a Mamlechaz Kohanim, a Goy Kadosh. It means Tamim Tiyashem Alakecha. Am Segula, just keep reading the Pasuk. It doesn't say Lios Lala Am Segula. We were designated to be a nation of Segula, meaning a nation that has red bendels and keys in the Chala and says poo 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 and uh, doesn't step over a child and uh, all the other Baba Mises. What's the end of the Pasuk? Lishmor kol mitzvosav to keep his mitzvos. That's what it means, segula. And I could bring you many, 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 many more makoros, but we don't have time. Continues. Ulusitcha aliyon akol agayim ashasal sila shem lasifaras uliyoscha am kadosh hashem lokecha kasher diber to make your supreme over all the nations he made for praise, for renown, for splendor. You will be a holy people for God, as Hashem spoke. What does it mean to be a holy people? Says Rashi, Yisem li kiddoshim. You should be for me holy. That's your mandate. That's your task. That's your job. You are to be holy. Says the Baltur Lasitcha Elyon. What does it mean? You'll be above all the nations. Supreme. Remez la totafosh akadosh baruch hu dechsiv behu ashracha Yisrael. Gemara brachos davav. Those who are doing the dafyomi, remember we recently covered it. Says akadosh baruch hu wears tefillin shorosh. God kiviyachol wears tefillin. Gemara asks, what does it say in God's tefillin? You know what it says in God's tefillin? Asherach Yisrael, Mika Amcha Yisrael, there's only one nation like Jewish people, my children, Goyachad Ba'aretz. So what does it mean that God will be great? It means, what does it mean that we will be great? That God wears us, His commitment, His pledge to us, in His tefillin, tefillin Sharosh, it's worn on the head, that's Elyon, that's what it means to be high up, that's what it means to be great. Continues, the next section. Let's try to go through this quickly. Moshe commands, and the elders, the people, observe the mitzvah that I'm giving to you today. And the day that you will cross the Jordan to the promised land. I want you to place in the Jordan River a monument. I want you to place there a great stone and cover them with with uh, sid, with cement. And what are you going to inscribe on these stones? The Torah. Why? So that all who come into the land, that God gives you a land flowing with milk and honey. He didn't finish the sentence. Why? So that when you come into the land, he didn't finish the sentence. When you cross the river, establish the stones that I'm giving to you. Repeats. Build there an altar. An altar made of stone, metal, cannot pass over. Barzel. Bronze can, cannot, iron cannot pass over. Whole stones shall you build it, and you bring olos, uh, elevation offerings on it. You bring peace offerings. Be joyous before God. Write on these stones all of the Torah. Understand well. What's going on over here? Says Rashi. Shmores mitzvah. First of all, observes Rashi, Lashon Hove. 
It's not written in past tense. It's written in present tense. This is a story about the present, not about the past. Says Rashi, place in the Yarden. Then take the stones and make an altar on Harival. So there's three sets of stones. Twelve stones in the Jordan. Three sets of stones that are to be erected and to be formed as monuments. What was written on these stones? What was written on these stones? So says the Ramban, So first he quotes, the Ramban quotes from the Ibn Ezra, who quotes from Agaon, Rav Sajigon, that what does it mean? Not all of the Torah, what was written on these stones, not the totality of Torah, but rather what was written on these stones was the mitzvos. What's written on these stones is the mitzvos. That's the first explanation. Continues the Ramban. These stones must have either been very large or it was a miracle. But the entire Chamisha Chumshe Torah, all five books were written. So the Ibn Ezra says, not all the Torah, the mitzvahs were written. Says the Ramban, no, the entire Torah was written, not just the, not just the mitzvahs. Not just the mitzvahs. Why is the Zikanim brought in? What is the Zikne Yisrael? Why was the Zikanim brought in here? Says the Tzvarno, Because Moshe knows he's going to be gone. By the time they cross the Yardin, which by the way splits miraculously, like the Yamsuf, splits into one column, not two. And when it splits, that's when they're to put the monuments in on the, or on the, uh, the ground there. So says the Sforno, the reason Moshe in, in, um, involves the Zikanim is because he knows he won't be there. So he appoints them to be in charge in his absence. In his absence. The Orachayim HaKadosh gives a different reason, but we don't have time. What does it mean, Be'er Hetev? He appoints them, understand well. Said Rashi, B'Shivim Lashem. Seventy languages. All who come should know what is written in it. Everyone who comes should know what is written in it. There's a lot more to say on this, but I want to leave you with one final thought as we're running out of time. So, again, the final thing Moshe tells them is, I want you to inscribe the Torah on these stones, place them in the Yardin when you're crossing. What was written on it? Rav Sadajigon suggests it wasn't the whole Chumash, it was a mitzvah, a list of the mitzvahs. The Ramban says, no, it wasn't mitzvahs, it was the total Chumash, it was a miracle, it was truly a monumental monument. Why command the people to do this? What was the reason for this? Right? Remember, the Pasuk is very abrupt. Moshe says, why do you think you have to do this? The Kasav Talayim, write the whole Torah, Lama'an, why? Asher Tavo Alar, it's when you come into the land. And then he ends the sentence, he didn't finish and tell us why. What was the purpose of this mitzvah? Rav Moshe Alshech, the great Alshech HaKadosh, 16th century Tzfas, says inscribing a lengthy Torah in 70 languages is nothing less than miraculous. It would require divine assistance and intervention. So as this nation of 2 to 3 million people are going to pass through the Yardin, over the Jordan River, and they're going to observe the stones 
they're going to recognize the miraculous nature of their entry into the land. So they're beginning, they, they place the stones at the beginning of traversing the Yardane. So the next two to three million people, as they walk through the Yardane into the land, they're going to see these stones and say, that's a miracle. As they see the words of the Torah suspended on these stones miraculously, and they're going to realize that entering the land is being done in a miraculous way. Dan Yitzchak Abarbanel, 15th century Portugal, gives a different explanation. Says the Abarbanel, this is beautiful. You know what role the stones play? What are they reminiscent of? They're reminiscent of the Luchos. We'll get to that in a second. They're reminiscent of something else. An inscription at the entrance of a place reminds you of a mezuzah. The mezuzah sits at the entranceway, serves to define our homes as Jewish homes, as Torah homes. Says the Abarbanel, just like when we cross the threshold of the Jewish home, we pause at the mezuzah, remember the values that guide and define our home. Similarly, these stones are the mezuzah of the land of Israel. When a person would enter the land of Israel, they would be reminded that this land operates differently than all others. This is a land which is guided and informed and inspired by the values and act, uh, of Torah. The activities of the land are consistent with that of Torah. These stones, says the Abarbanel, are to play the role of the mezuzah on a home. It is the role of these stones on the land. We could use these stones today. The Rashbam, Shmuel ben Meir, Rashi's grandson. Look at the Rashbam. He writes... Says the Rashbam in the 12th century France, a very practical, very pragmatic reason. The Parsha, our Parsha continues by describing the ceremony that will take place on Hargrizam Arayival. Six tribes on one mountain, six on the other, the Levium and the Aron in the valley between. They read the curses and the blessings, everyone answers Amen. Says the Rashbam, the monument was visible from the ceremony. So it was a visual representation of what they were committing and pledging to keep and observe. As they said Amen, they saw the mitzvahs, they saw the Torah written on these stones. That's the Rashbam. So we saw the Ibn Ezra and the Ramban, Rasajigon, the Alshech, the Abarbanel, the Rashbam. But I would like to suggest to you humbly this morning as we conclude another possibility. Moshe says to them, V'chasavta alayin is called Devrei Torah Hazos Ba'avrecha. These words are very familiar. Indeed, they're reminiscent of another Torah inscription. You said it before. When Hashem invites Moshe to ascend Har Sinai, and He gives him a second set of luchos, He tells him in Shmos Lamed Dalad, There's an amazing parallel in the language. There's tremendous parallel. But there's one difference. When it came to the luchos, Hashem engraved them. When it came to the luchos, it was the work, the handiwork of Hashem. But now, it's the people that Hashem charges with the inscription. In Shemos it was, V'kasavti al haluchos. God inscribed them. Now, it's V'kasavta alayhen. God says, you inscribe them. The 40 years in the desert can be defined as V'kasavti. Hashem provided the inscription. He gave the man, and the anane akavod, and the be'er. He gave them all of the protective qualities. It was a passive spectator experience. But now they're about to enter the land. There's going to be a transition from the Kesavti to the Kesavta. It's the same Torah. But rather than be a passive observer, we are the scribes. We are the sculptors. We are the engravers. We take an ownership stake, play an active role in inscribing the Torah, not only on the stones, but more significantly on our hearts. 
And maybe that's why it's inscribed in 70 languages. So everyone would embrace a proactive role in making the Torah theirs. All right, we're going to stop here. Wish everyone a fantastic remainder of the week. A wonderful Shabbos.